Episode 42 with Curtis Stone and how he's crushing it with urban farming courses. The Online Course Guy Podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course that covered this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the Online Course Guy. Jacques Hopkins. Hey, what's up, everybody? Jacques Hopkins here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. I have another great interview coming at you in just a little bit with Curtis Stone of TheUrbanFarmer.co. But first, let's talk about our sponsor for today's episode, and that is Bonjoro. You've heard me talk about Bonjoro before. It's one of my favorite, favorite tools to use in conjunction with my online course because what it is is it allows me to easily very easily send a quick short thank you video to people when they buy my online course when people buy my online piano course the next day they will get a bonjoro from me it's like 30 seconds long i'm just saying hey thank you so much for signing up i call that person out by name and people love the personal interaction you know that I outsource and automate just about as much as I can. But sending out these Bonjoro videos is something that doesn't scale, but I think it's still important to do. I sell about three courses a day, so I'm only doing about three of these a day. It doesn't take very long, and like I said, people really appreciate them, and it just sets things off on the right foot. So if you have an online course or you're selling anything online, I highly recommend you sign up for Bonjoro and start doing these videos. You can get started today with a 14-day free trial by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. And I also want to talk to you about ClickFunnels because ClickFunnels is one of my other favorite software platforms. And one of the things I like most about ClickFunnels is it allows me to do so much in just one package. I have my membership site hosted inside of ClickFunnels, so it allows me to have password-protected content like an online course. It also allows people to you know, pay me money in exchange for my online course so you can build order forms and also connect it up to a payment processor like Stripe and actually receive money and then have them automatically be granted access to the online course. And it does beautiful, beautiful landing pages. I've even built an entire website with just ClickFunnels. So... When you use this link, theonlinecourseguy.com slash ClickFunnels, to sign up for your free trial of ClickFunnels, I will send you my three templates for those three things. I have a template for my full website. I have my order form templates, and I also have my membership site, my online course template for Piano in 21 Days. I will give you all of those templates for free if you sign up for the free trial of ClickFunnels using this link, theonlinecourseguy.com slash ClickFunnels. All right, so today's interview is with the urban farmer, Curtis Stone. It was a just an awesome conversation. I personally learned a lot and I'm excited to share this episode with you. My favorite thing from today's interview came when I asked Curtis about the pros and cons of an online course versus a book. And I really wanted to ask him that question because he has a very successful book on urban farming on Amazon. He sold over 50,000 copies. And, you know, typically you can't you, you only charge a little bit for a book. A book is like $10, whereas an online course, you can charge $300, you can charge $1,000, $2,000. You can charge thousands of dollars for an online course. And Curtis's online course is more in that four-figure range. So I was curious to ask him about the pros and cons of both. And you can tell by his answer that he's very, very bullish on online courses. Writing, a like going through the traditional publishing road takes like three times as much time. Um, not only does it take 
I mean, it, it takes more time in just the, 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 the writing of the content because you got to go through three edits and then you've got to go to your publisher gets it. Then it's got to go to typeset. Then you got to go back on drafts with that. Like it takes a long time. Whereas online courses, it's just like write the content and hit go. Like it's, it, it's so, um, it's so like releasable to the market. And I love the idea of just like shoot, ready, aim, you know, just like getting stuff out there. And, um, I'm not a perfectionist at all. So I think for me, it's like, if the ideas are there and the content is there, who cares about all the little details? And, and, but those things are so important to publishing. So as you could tell, he is a fan of both. And it sounds like his book is doing a great job of being a part of the funnel of getting people eventually into the online course. So just because you have an online course doesn't mean you can, can't also have a book. And just because you have a book doesn't mean you can't also have an online course. So once again, it was just such an enjoyable conversation with Curtis Stone. Here's the full interview now. Hey, Curtis, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So how many courses do you have, Curtis? Right now, I have two. I launched the Profitable Urban Farming course, which kind of coincided with the release of my book. I think that's going on three years ago. And then I just launched another microgreens course. Uh, but it was sort of a soft launch. We're actually It was sort of like a beta launch. And then we're going to improve it in the fall and relaunch it. Um, but I'm also in the middle of building a new course that will more or less replace my old one. It will be a more of an updated uh, version. So when you say you're old, when you're talking about profitable urban urban farming? That's right. Yeah. So, so is it going to be like a, a version 2.0 or is it something? Kind of. Yeah. It'll be like a more concise, um, consolidated version. Also, it's going to be on like we're using the, the Kajabi software now. Mm-hmm. which we really like. And so it'll be streamlining everything into there. Like we'll basically give it away to all of the, the our profitable urban farming customers, but then we'll rebrand it and remarket it to um, new people because we're going to put everything else in it new. So when did you first create and launch profitable urban farming? Well, I think it's, I think this is the third year running. So we published it, I believe it was the fall of 2016. I think that's when it came out. Yeah, it came out before my book. So yeah, it's going on. I guess it'll be, is that going to be three years, 2016, 2017? Yeah, yeah, it's going on three years. So, so what led up to you making that decision in 2016 to take this knowledge you had and turn it into an online course? Well, I had been, you know, I'd be, I've been a, a, a public figure for a while now doing YouTube stuff. I'd also been doing public speaking for many years. And um, it was sort of the partnership I had with uh, a good friend of mine, Luke Callahan, who's actually my partner in all of my online courses. He's in the U.S. And... Um, he kind of put it past me and he was like, we should do one of these. And I I'd been kind of hip to that stuff. Like I thought it was a great idea. And I'd also been in the middle of writing a book and just seeing how writing a, like going through the traditional publishing road takes like three times as much time. Um, not only does it take, I mean, it, it takes more time in just the, 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 the writing of the content because you got to go through three edits and then you've got to go, to your publisher gets it, then it's got to go to typeset, then you got to go back on drafts with that. Like it takes a long time. Whereas online courses, it's just like write the content and hit go. 
Like it's, it, it's so, um, it's so like releasable to the market. And I love the idea of just like shoot ready aim, you know, just like getting stuff out there. And, um, I'm not a perfectionist at all. So I think for me, it's like, if the ideas are there and the content is there, who cares about all the little details? And, and, but those things are so important to publishing and it makes sense because in publishing, it's a printed book that's finished. But in online course, if there's a typo, you just change it. You know, like it, you don't have to have all these things perfect. Well, that's one thing I noticed when I went to your site is I can go buy your course or I could buy your book. Is it the same content? The course is far more. It, 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 the concepts are the same, but the course is far more detailed just because there's no length. There's no uh, restriction in length. You know, a book a publisher says we want 80,000 words. And then you got to work within that framework. An online course is like whatever you want, whatever's valuable you can put in there. Like when I wrote my book, we cut 20,000 words from it in the first draft. So the online course didn't have to do that. And so I think the online course has, I mean, and it's multimedia, right? So a book isn't multimedia. So there's just far more depth of content in an online course. So you're, you're comparing the, the pros and cons between an online course and a book, and you still have both up for purchase on your website, but you didn't even mention pricing. I mean, to me, you can charge significantly more from, for online courses, and I think you're doing that. Of right? course. Of course we are. Because, because the way I see it is, well, the value proposition is essentially an online course with the depth of information that's in that course and the, the lack of restrictions in, in the length of content is going to give a person so much more information up front that's going to save them a lot of time. And so though I look at that as like, if you're going to start a business and you're going to say budget $10,000 to start a business, spending $1,000, and that's what our course costs, on content that's going to save you years of trial and error and get you right to where you want to go right out, out, of, the, out of the gate is easily justifiable as a cost. A book you know, if you're really keen, you know, you can, you can probably, you could do it with the book in a way, but you're not going to have as much directed content that's specific to all the different subjects that we cover. Right. So you, you've, you've mostly spoken about the advantages of the online course and not, not many advantages of the book. So why even have that for sale? Because a book is a huge business card that validates you and makes you a bona fide expert. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why I mean, my book, my book, has sold, I think around 50,000 copies. And there's a big ad for my online course in the back page of the book. That's, you know, that's one of the big things I wanted to ask you, Curtis, because I look at a guy like, uh, are you familiar with Jeff Walker? Who's really big in the marketing online marketing space? No, he has a, he has a course called product launch formula and it's extremely popular and he charges $2,000 for that course. Well, years after he originally created the course, he comes out with this book called Launch and it's $10 on Amazon. So I'm trying to understand why a guy like that would even want to go down that path when he sells his course successfully for $2,000. And you're, it sounds like you're doing the exact same thing. And the answer to that question is it's kind of an, uh, uh, almost a funnel. It's a funnel. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the typical sales funnel um, approach, right? The, you know, my, my sales funnel kind of goes like this. My YouTube channel is the free stuff that's widely available. I have almost a quarter million subscribers. Then you've got 
down from there, you've got a product that is a cheap product. I've got some digital products on my website that are like 10 or $15. Then I've got my book, which I sell for more than Amazon because I bundle it with other digital products that make it more valuable. And then you go to, I've got a one day workshop you can buy on my website that's near the bottom of the funnel. It's about $200. Then you can go to my online course for $1,000. Then you can come to one of my live events that's like, you know, sometimes $2,000, $2,500. So how are you getting people to, to move down the funnel? Is it all email marketing? That, that mo actually, mostly it's YouTube. Um, I, don't, I don't market to my list, to be honest. I, and I'm not, I'm probably not as, uh, I, don't, I don't do this, kind, this stuff the same as a lot of these click funnels guys like, like uh, Brunson and stuff like that. I, I kind of do my own thing and I do it works for me. I'm not, I, I, I can't stand, uh, email lists that just hammer you with promotions, it drives me crazy. So my, my approach to marketing has always been provide an incredible amount of value for free and build a rapport with my audience so that they get excited about wanting to spend money with me because um, they feel like I've shared so much with them that, that, they're, that they're, their thinking is, well, he's given me this much stuff for free. And his book is this valuable, something that's a thousand dollars has to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 times more valuable. And that's certainly the case. And that's what I get from my customers or my, my, my fans who watch my stuff and then end up going through that sales funnel is they have no regrets with any of it and any of it. And they say, you know, the main reason I wanted to take your course is because you'd, you'd give me so much value in your YouTube channel that I figured for something you're charging, it's got to actually be worth that much more. And it is. Well, let me ask you this because you have such a big following. You've got almost a quarter million YouTube subscribers. Um, you know, you said you've sold 50,000 copies of your book. Do you think that's that way of marketing is, is a luxury that you have by having so many followers? And, and what I, to clarify, like, do you give that same advice to somebody just starting out with zero following? Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I've certainly a fault followed the sort of the give, 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 ask thing. And I didn't follow that from the beginning. I kind of discovered Gary Vaynerchuk and, and, and marketing people like that later when I'd realized that I was already kind of doing that. And then I just kind of doubled down on what I thought was working. Um, I don't know if I would give that advice universally. I think for me, I've built a very niche audience based on the fact that I'm genuinely passionate about what I do. And I really care about the outcome of the food system and I want to help people get there. And so I think my sincerity is the biggest thing that sold this. And I, I don't think that like, I don't like fakers. I don't like posers, you know, what, what, and I, I see a lot of that in the online course space, to be honest with you in the sense that like now there's online courses on how to build online courses. Like it's just, it's become such a saturated market that I think there's a lot of bottom feeders in the space now. Um, and there's always going to be bottom feeders and charlatans in anything. So that's nothing new. It's just that like I got into it when I started, when I did my online course, there wasn't a lot of online courses out there. Like I, I certainly wasn't the first one to do an online course, but I wasn't the one jumping in at the end. And I see a lot of people jumping in now, not to say that they shouldn't, because I think online courses have a tremendous amount of value and they can offer things that the traditional uni um, universities or education institutions can't. But I see a lot of, 
you know, people just doing it because they think they can do it. Like, and it's just like, oh, this is a great way to make money. And it's just like, well, I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that mentality. I think if you're in it to just make money, then, then you should probably do something else. Well, you, you're clearly passionate about your, your subject matter. And I think you were doing it for a long time before you decided to turn it into an online course. And when oh. I, when I turned my hobby of piano into an online course, you know, back in 2013, the, the training on how to even do that was very limited. So to an extent, we need, we need people out there to, to teach us how to do this stuff. And one thing, one thing I like to do with this podcast is just share stories like yours so people yeah. can get motivated and find out what's worked for people like yourself who had these passions and turned them into profitable businesses. So I love hearing that you're not into the traditional tactics and you're more about passion and relationships and hoping the sales will, will come based on that. Is that fair? Well, to totally. Because one thing I see in the online course space in general is that it's more about giving you the important information. It's more about like, whereas you, if you go to university, 80% of it is theory. And I, I, I'm a musician too. I actually studied music composition in college. And so, so much is theory. And um, it's the same in any academic um, uh, wing of a subject is just like there is a lot of schlock and maybe a tiny percentage of it, probably less than 5% really, is the stuff that's going to like make you crush it in your career or whatever you're going to do. And I think online courses are far better at delivering that information because they're often made by entrepreneurs who bootstrap something opposed to some accredited academic and that's in order to in order to function within the traditional uh, institutions of education you have to be um, accredited you have to have a PhD or a master's degree and you have to go to teachers college you have to go through all this BS to get to the end goal whereas to, to start an online course you can be anybody that does it now that has pros and cons the pros is that you're going to have online courses that are often created by people like yourself and myself who just kind of bootstrap something and want to share that information. But then we get to a point where I think we're at now where there's just like a market saturation and there's a lot of schlock out there. And I've also seen too, like there's people that blatantly rip your course off. Like I, we just, we had this happen to us. There was a guy and it's a Chinese website. We actually tracked down, we tried to like do something about it, but there was a, there's a guy online. He basically just goes and enrolls in online courses and he scrubs all the data and then he repackages it and sells it for a 10th of what you sell it for. Literally. Cause I, we, and we, I found this because I had people emailing me being like, Hey, I can, I can buy your online course for $150. Like what's going on there? And I'm like, and he, they sent me the link and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's fake. If you want to do that, go ahead and buy it. But there's nothing I could do to stop this guy. He scrubbed the information and he's in China. So it's like, it sucks. But you know, that's just kind of one of the things that you have to accept getting into this space. So you're not actively pursuing this guy. It's just the cost of doing business. It's cost of doing business and it's a waste of time. I mean, I, I, I've learned that. I mean, for one, he's not like he's, he's only going to, there, there might only be a handful of people out of my entire audience that actually do that. Because I find most people in my audience are actually really good people and they want to help support me because I've supported them. So I'm not really worried about it. I mean, one thing I've learned over the years is that going after people or pursuing, you know, an argument or something like that, that takes your energy away is a net loss. Like, like, you know, I've had people rip me off before 
And, uh, you know, when I first got into farming in the first couple of years, one, one restaurant ripped me off out of a $10,000. And I found that pursuing them and wasting my time doing that was just putting a drain on my entire life. And it was making me less productive. So I just find you just have to move on and stay productive and, and stay positive because you're going to create more value in your life by being on that track than going down the negative one. Well, it's really good that you can look at it that way. And, and I almost think of it as a, as a compliment that somebody would do that to your course, because that means that you're, you're big enough for somebody to want to do that. Exactly. You know, you're obviously doing well enough on your own that somebody would even think to do something like that, you know? And, and the other thing that I recommend people doing do, and I don't know that you do, if you do this or not, but there's, there's live and interactive components you can have with an online course. So you can have like a Facebook group or some side of, side That's right. of community that comes with the course. You can do weekly calls with the students. And if somebody's ripping off your course and selling it elsewhere, they're not going to get those additional components, which are sometimes even more valuable than the course. That's right. They, those things are, those are the most valuable things. Um, the things that aren't replicatable. And so, and then that's the, where the personal stuff comes in. And that's what we, we've learned because like Luke and I have been partners in this in our course since the beginning and and you know we're gonna have three under our belt by the end of this growing season and and that's one thing we've learned so one thing we're doing now with our courses going forward um, and Luke he runs what's called the small farm Academy you actually might find uh, interviewing him interesting because he's done a ton of different courses more than just with me um, is uh, we're gonna have two tiers is we're always going to have one that's like um, an evergreen enrollment. You can come in whenever you get the access to all the content at once. You can go through it as, as, through, as, um, as with your, uh, what the hell am I trying to say? At your leisure, uh, at your own time. And then we're going to have another one that's a premium course that costs more. That's basically over a five week period you get five different sessions with me. And then we have to limit that. Like we can, we're only going to do like, I don't know, maybe a hundred people or so max with that because we want to be able to get people's questions and we want to be able to give them value of that time. So that's kind of how we're doing it now. And then that's how you can avoid that, that problem. So I'm not familiar with, with Luke Callahan, but I'm certainly going to look him up after this. Talk to me about the partnership. I mean, what is your role and what is his role? So Luke basically manages everything on the back end, which is huge. Um, he answers sales emails. He solves all the technical problems. He assembles all the content. So I'm the content creator. All the content is mine. Um, I'm also the primary marketer too, because I have the, I have the audience. I have a big audience. Um, he's got a good list. He's got a big list though too, but you know, my YouTube audience is, is far more, uh, valuable at a quarter million than even a list with 10,000 people. So, you know, my, my role is to just create, write the content and film the content. Um, I'm in my office is a, is a, is like a all white studio behind me. So I do a lot of in-studio shooting here, of course, in the field. So I basically create all the content and the media. I edit the videos for it, but then he assembles it all in Kajabi and then does everything else in the back end. One of the things people struggle with most when they're getting started for somebody like yourself who has this has this skill, has this expertise is trying to do everything because oh, once God, you try yeah. to have an online course, you have to, you have to edit video and you have to do accounting and you have to do marketing and you have to build a website and all this. That's so right. It sounds like you ended up, you, you formed a great partnership in that great a lot of the things you didn't necessarily want to do, 
Luke yeah. had all these skill sets to do. So that's right. Starting out, do you recommend finding somebody like that? I, I would. Yeah. But you know, partnerships are risky. Like I've also been in partnerships that went, went to shit. So, but Luke, Luke, um, has been an incredible partner for me. We're 50, 50 and, uh, it's, it's been awesome. So, I mean, you got to have the right person. Um, one thing I've learned, maybe give some value to your, your audience. One thing I've learned with partnerships is trust your gut right at the beginning. If you're getting to know somebody and there's things about them that you think you can't get over or that you don't think can be corrected, I just wouldn't bother. Um, and, and every partnership I've been involved with in my life, I've been an entrepreneur for nine years now and I've done many different things. I have nine different income streams as the urban farmer. And so I've had different partnerships on different products and stuff like that with people. And every time a partnership has gone awry, I should have listened to my gut. And, uh, some people are, are better at, um, analyzing people like watching body language and paying attention to idiosyncrasies and all, than others. But I think it's important. And I mean, I, I think like if you're going to be an entrepreneur in general and you know, you're going to be working with people, having a really good foundation of people skills and, um, understanding incentives and motives and also being able to put yourself in their position is so rudimentary. And I, I, I don't think I would recommend anybody get into business if they're going to be working with people until they know, have a firm understanding of that. So I've heard just horror stories about partnerships. And then there's also just, uh, just incredible stories as well. And it sounds like this, this one with Luke and these online courses has gone um, just incredibly well. So did, did you guys know each other before? Or did he kind of seek you out once he saw your, your success? Well, actually, it's funny. He, he sought me out like after my first year of farming. He was running a podcast. He was living in Sweden at the time. He's American, but he's living in Sweden at the time. And he was doing this podcast and he wanted to interview me. And we just really hit it off. Like we just became friends. And then we just started talking a lot. And we did like this really DIY online course like six years ago that was like it was all free but it was basically like he was going to be my he, he moved to portland oregon and so he was going to be like my guinea pig and he was going to start an urban farm and i was going to take him through all the steps and we filmed all of it and just made these video interviews about it and we put photos in it's really really hack but that's kind of how we started doing it and then we realized well this is something we could actually scale and do better and then we went we went into it uh profitable urban farming after that Excellent. All right. So I want to shift gears a little bit. And if you, if we could talk about YouTube, because you've obviously been successful there and for my piano business, it's, it's been huge as well. And I've only got 25,000 subscribers. So you've got about 10 X on me. Uh, so I can't imagine how much traffic you're getting, but when somebody is starting a YouTube channel, um, what are some of the things they should keep in mind in terms of like keyword research or uh, calls to action or descriptions below the videos? Well, you know, the, all those things are important, but I think I, you know, um, I think at a, at a base principles level, you have to be offering something that's valuable. And like, I always try to like every video I do, I always try to think about, you know, it might be one big takeaway or it might be a number of takeaways. It's usually like one to five takeaways. And so I don't, I don't script my videos in the sense that like, well, I do sometimes, but more, more what I have is like, these are the five points that I need to make in this video. So I might even be shooting a vlog where it's just like, this is on the farm. I'm showing you stuff that I'm doing, but there's going to be at least 
one to five takeaways that any person who watches that video is going to pull value from. And so that's, that's fundamentally what I try to do. Now you can, you can go down, uh, the details on what to do specifically once your video is in there and the analytics and the titling and the thumbnail and the tags and the show notes and all that stuff. You can, you can do all that stuff, but I think fundamentally, if you don't have, if you're not producing value in your videos, um, that's going to be one thing, you know, one, one, one thing that I, and I, I know a lot of YouTubers actually around the world and, um, you know, kind of get to know people in the space when you're, when you're a content creator. And, um, one thing that people often think that they can just start making YouTube videos is how, how saturated is your audience? Like how, how, or how much content is already out there? Like I have a, I have a friend here in Kelowna, him and his wife wanted to start a YouTube channel. This is like, even before I was doing mine and I saw them totally fail at it. And it was interesting because they're both really charismatic. They both had really good content. They had good camera gear. They did things in studio, but they were doing a subject that was so saturated is they wanted to make a cooking show about gluten-free baking. But it's like, there's so much content about that that you're just in a sea of uh, competition. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes having some competition is good because it helps you build a sense of community and a peer circle, which can be very useful. Um, also gives you a good reference point as to where, what you should do and where how you can fit into it. But at the same time, if there's so much saturation, it's, it's tough. So I want to go back to something you said a, a few minutes ago you mentioned having nine income streams related to the urban farmer. So yeah. we have an online course. We have the yeah. book. Yeah. Okay. You don't have so to name online. What else? Yeah, are- yeah, no, let, let, let me go down. Let me, let me go down. So it's, um, online course, my book. So like the royalties from my book, my website, uh, my consulting. What do you mean your website? My website. Like I sell products on my website. Oh, like physical products, physical product. Well, I sell my book and stuff like that. So that's different than my book. My book, the royalties from my publisher is a different revenue stream than me selling books on my website. That's one thing I would say to people too, is if you want to write a book, like a lot of people like to bash publishing, but publishing is amazing because what the way to make money on a book is to have the publisher. I mean, it depends on your, on your uh, contract too, but if you have a publishing contract and you have the ability to sell that book on your own as well, and most publishers will allow their authors to do that. Those are two income streams that can be considerably different. Like my book generates quite a bit of revenue off my website, but then I get these big checks in the mail from my publisher twice a year that are like, Oh wow, that's nice to get that. Like, Holy shit. Um, so anyways, uh, online course, uh, publishing, my website, my consulting, my public speaking. Uh, I now have a company in California, a tools company that I have another partnership with. Um, my farm, um, I do affiliate marketing with companies. Um, and then I also do brand deals with companies sometimes too. So there's nine right there. And, And if I keep going down it, there's probably more. I once I once heard something. I have no idea where it came from, but I've heard like the average millionaire has at least seven income streams. Uh, absolutely, yeah, 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 absolutely. That that's been key for me, man. Like, I'm certainly not a millionaire yet, um, but I think 
you know, I'll probably get there in the next couple of years because all these things are really picking up steam. Our company in California has just been doing really well. We started, a, but, you know, it came out of, you know, if you got an audience and your audience values your opinion on things, you know, they're basically asking you what, to, what they should use. And so for me, it started by doing affiliate marketing and brand deals with products that I liked, like things that I actually genuinely use and think are valuable. I'm not marketing schlock anywhere. Like anything that you find on my website or my YouTube channel, I 100% stand behind. Um, and, and I'm very strict with that. Like companies come to me all the time. I almost get an email a day from like, you know, Amazon Amazon entrepreneurs that are basically just flogging some product and they want to send me stuff. And I usually just look at it and say, no, I'm not going to use this. Like this doesn't fit my audience. It doesn't fit my niche. But I got to a point where I was, I was, I was also inadvertently making a lot of money for people who I didn't think deserved it. And, um, we started my, my partner and I in the U S Diego Fooder we saw this tool called the paper pot transplanter. And I was just like, this thing is insane. Like, and I started using it on the farm and I was just, I couldn't believe it. And so he said to me, it's like, well, why don't we just start selling this thing ourselves? Like it's the tools 40 years old and it's from Japan, but there's very little, there's very few mark. There's nobody's really marketing it well in the U S and, and North America, or even Europe really for that matter. And so we're just like, let's just buy a bunch. And so we started with like a, a shipping container worth about $50,000 of product. We have a small warehouse in San Diego County and uh, we just started selling it and it went nuts. And so we, I, I, I put together a video on YouTube and all these marketing companies, like, you know, those companies like now this and um, what's his name? David Avocado Wolf does the same thing. All these people take videos on Facebook and they just rip them off and then they put their brand on the end. That we our video, my my YouTube video got ripped off so many times, but it actually worked to our advantage because when um, one of these ones, Tech Insider, I think they were called, basically spliced together my video, and I actually they actually came to us pr for permission because they were one of the bigger ones, and they said, "Can we just use your footage?" And I said, "Yes, as long as you put our company name in the video and give me credit for the footage." Fine. That video got sixty million views. So our, our company was advertised for free to 60 million people or 60 million views. And so it was insane. And so the, our company just took off. And so we, we've just been growing like crazy. And so, yeah, that's, that's gone really well. So with all these different income streams, all these things you're doing, like how, how busy of a guy are you? How, how automated is the, the business and how much are you actually having to work on it? I, yeah, I work like crazy. Um, I, I, I think I'm finally figuring out my work-life balance. So it's, it's certainly been a challenge when I started because I'm a parent as well. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home dad. My wife is home too. So I work, my office is now in the basement of our house. We used to rent this suite down here to, to uh, we put it on Airbnb, but now it's just we put my office down here. That's allowed me to focus a lot more because when I had my office upstairs, like my daughter was running around and it's hard to ignore your cute little daughter running around. Um, my daughter's right outside this room right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. So putting my office downstairs has been so much more effective for me. But I, you know, I work, I work, I would say 7, 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday and I take weekends off. That's where I'm at now. But for the, for the last eight years, I was working... 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. Monday to Sunday. Wow. So I'm at a place where I'm more sustainable. 
but I do have some automation in things. But the thing for me that's key um, is just lists. I'm so like, I stay on top of my lists. So I use a, an app called Wonderlist. And I have like long-term, medium-term lists, like project lists, whatever. And then I have my daily lists. I'm, I use this app. Like I'm clicking things off and putting things into this app every 10 minutes of every day. Like, so I have to be really be on my lists because if I get diverted from something like the unexpected happens, right? You got to put it a fire. You got to step away from what you're currently doing without the list. I lose my center. And so the list is so important for me because then I can come back to the list and go get back to where I am and know where I have to go today, what I have to get done. So just a couple more questions for you here, Curtis. Um, Next thing would be about pricing. How did you determine pricing on your course? Um, it was basically thinking about what I would charge to consult for somebody. And at the, at the time when we, when we priced it, my consulting was a lot cheaper. I used to charge a hundred bucks an hour for consulting. Now I charge 400. And so it was like, okay, to convey this information one-on-one to a person, what would that be worth approximately? And then how much do, and then also putting it within the frame of like, what a person would invest to start a business like mine. And we basically arrived at a thousand dollars, nine ninety seven us to be specific. Um, because we felt that the, you know, the least amount of money you're going to spend to start a farm like mine is going to be about five to $10,000, five being like, you won't get everything you need, but you could maybe bootstrap it. And so we figured, $1,000 out of that is totally a reasonable investment based on the fact that if a person were to go through this, they would probably get three years ahead of where I was when I started. And then that's how we figured it's an easily justifiable cost because save yourself the trial and error. I like how, how well thought out that is because a lot of people just say, well, we just you know threw a number up there and see how it went. So it sounds like you actually put some real thought into We put a ton of thought into it. Yeah. And 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 we also, you know, we also looked at what other prices are and we also looked at the fact that our my audience is incredibly niche. Like you know, but but also I have less competition. Like your audience might be less niche, but you probably have more competition. Right. So, you know, I I figured that I would rather have a high value item and go for like a high value customer than have something that was $20 or $50 because you know, you can't like, you can't scale that in a niche. Like my, my entire audience is around the size of my YouTube channel as far as not just my audience, but the, all the people that are interested in organic small scale farming in North America total up to be in my estimation about a half a million people. So there's not that many people doing it. And, and really, only a fifth to a tenth of those are people that are going to spend lots of money to get started and they're really going to bootstrap it and they're most likely going to be successful. So the higher price ticket is also based on, this, on the amount of people in the audience, potential audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I price my piano course on the higher end of the spectrum as well. And what I've found as the biggest advantage is, and you alluded to this, is like you get a higher quality customer, oh, and a, better, a better student overall. And Oh yeah, more serious. Found, yeah, I haven't found a, a course, a piano course that's more expensive than mine. 
uh, even though it's you know it's a 21 day course there's not much to it but i think that's the biggest advantage to pricing your course higher like we have is is the higher quality student well i i actually think that goes across the board and i found that in every aspect of teaching because i've been teaching i actually was a music teacher for a couple of years before i got into this i used to teach guitar all right um, now I, you know, I've been teaching urban farming almost since I started because I, because I was a teacher and because I was a music performer, it was easy for me to, to be a teacher because I was comfortable in front of audiences and doing lecturing and all that. And I found across the board, even with live events, it's way better to charge, charge more and have less people than it is to have more people and charge less. The m- main reason being is that the lower the barrier to entry the more of a general audience you're going to get. And that means you're going to often get saturated with really rudimentary questions that often wastes the time of the people in the audience who are serious. So by charging more, you basically cut those people out and then you have more of a focused audience. And I find um, the price point actually reflects the value that the people get because if there's nobody else asking really dumb questions, there's more time to ask really focused and interesting and engaging questions. And that brings more value to the entire class. Right on this. This has just been chock full of a uh, great advice. And, and the next question I have for you is, is, is asking for a little bit more advice. And, and I am obviously passionate about online courses. And the main, the main reason is because they have the potential to be just completely life changing. For me, I wasn't a piano teacher when I got into this. I was a, an electrical engineer and I, t- I didn't like my job and I totally shifted gear gears. And this has allowed me to spend more time with my family and yeah. do more things that I love and make even more money than I did as an engineer. So I'm trying to, to spread inspirational stories like yours. And so for somebody that's just at the beginning stages of this and they want to get into this, like what is some of your top advice for somebody like that? Well, the number one piece of advice is make sure you're actually an expert in what you're proclaiming to be. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the 10,000 hours theory. I think it's absolutely correct. Um, until you have 10,000 hours, at least in your trade, don't even consider trying to um, teach people at this scale. Now, I'm not saying don't teach people because there's actually a lot of value in teaching people things that you barely know, but that's more of a thing you do one-on-one or with people you're training for your to work with you or something like that. I don't think people should, I honestly believe people shouldn't go out and create online courses unless they are an actual bona fide expert in their field because there's so many posers and and if you want to be successful at it, people will see through that, especially if you're going to charge a premium, people are going to like, people are going to pay a thousand, 2000 or more for a course. They're serious people. And they're people that, that are just as serious as you are. And so if you come across as a poser, you're going to forever taint your reputation. And, and in an era of social media, where the, 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 the fundamentals of relationships has changed, your reputation is more valuable than ever. And so I think you need to be a bona fide expert, number one. Um, and then the other is make sure you're delivering value that you 100% believe in. Like, don't be a used car salesman. Like, really, really believe that, and, and, and you have to believe because you know it to be true that you are offering value and that you stand behind what you're, what you're selling. And then the third thing I would say is don't ever hesitate to refund somebody. Like if somebody has an issue, refund them. 
refund them. Approach everything with an abundance mentality. If there's a problem, fix it and make it better. And that will actually help you in the long run. If you're, if you're nickel and diming people and somebody's not happy in your course and you refer and you refuse to refund them, that will hurt you because that person is going to go out and talk trash about you and trash talk for some reason permeates longer and faster than good talk. So it's so worth your while to just refund people without even hesitation. And that's, that's been our approach from the beginning. If somebody's like, we have a 30 day money back guarantee in all of our courses, but, um, we've even had people that have gone further than that and just weren't happy. And we say, look, no big deal. And so, um, we, we've approached it with an abundant mentality and we're not, we're not afraid to, to reimburse people. Well, that's, uh, that's great advice. So I appreciate you taking the time to join me here today. To close things out, why don't you just let people know where they can find your stuff online? Yeah, the best place to find my stuff is uh, just the urbanfarmer.co. That's my website. You can put Urban Farmer Curtis Stone into YouTube. And if you search on medium.com, I write uh, a weekly blog there. You can just search Urban Farmer Curtis Stone and find me there as well. Thanks, Curtis. Right on. Well, that's going to put episode 42 in the books. Don't forget to check out Bonjoro. Get your free trial at bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Go get your free trial of ClickFunnels and you'll get my templates at theonlinecourseguy.com slash ClickFunnels. And finally, I've got a free online training workshop. I'm going to teach you how to create a wildly profitable online course in just 30 minutes. You can view that for free at theonlinecourseguy.com. That's for people who are thinking about starting your own online course, or if you have an online course already and it just hasn't reached your goals yet, that online course workshop is for you. Check that out at theonlinecourseguy.com and stay tuned for episode 43 where we're talking tap dancing. Rod Howell and his online tap dancing course at unitedtaps.com will be coming your way in the next episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. (music) 